WGCC-FM 90.7, Batavia, New York. Online at WGCC-FM.com. Find out what's new right now. It's around the campus on 90.7 FM. Yeah, yeah. 
You're listening to Around the Campus. You're listening to Around the Campus. Hey everyone, my name is Cruz Lopez. Here's what's happening on today's program. Today I'm here with Gabe Millen and Cameron Coles, and we each have an interesting interview we'd like to share with you over the next hour and a half. Before we start getting into all that, here is White Snake. Is this love? Batavia's best music starts now on 90.7 FM. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few proud the Marines i 
You're listening to Batavia's best music on WGC on WGCC on WGCC ninety point seven on WGCC ninety point seven FM. The music. So it's time for our first interview here. Uh, it was done by me. I uh, I interviewed one of my favorite professors I had last semester, and here. It- Hi everyone, Cruz here, and today I am speaking to a teacher that I had last semester named Dan Snyder, a great teacher, and I just want to interview him for the Around the Campus interview. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thanks. So I'm going to just start off simple here. Uh, What do you do at Genesee? Uh, I teach speech communications uh, classes, so uh, public speaking and interpersonal communication. Okay, yeah, so... I was in your public speaking class, which I, I actually did enjoy. It was one of my favorites oh. last semester. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when did you know what you wanted to do as like a, a career? Uh, well, it wasn't until actually later because uh, I, didn't, I didn't go to college until uh, I was older. I was, I was, uh, was going to be a famous drummer, so okay. that's what I was doing outside of high school. <laughs> And then, you know, when that didn't pan out, I started going to college, and then I had a few uh, professors that I thought, you know, I really looked up to these people and uh, started thinking maybe this is what I want to do. Mm. Yeah, a famous drummer would definitely be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be over by now, I'm sure, so <laughs> I'd be a, a washed-up drummer at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Um... Where did you study in college, and what did you study? Uh, I was a uh, communication and media arts. Uh, you know, that was my major. I went to uh, SUNY Brockport, okay. and then uh, I stayed there for my master's degree, and, and uh, then I was a uh, what was it, communication and rhetorical theory major, and okay. I focused on uh, political communication and theories of rhetoric. So that, that's where your teaching and public speaking now comes in? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. And uh, what made you choose to teach here at GCC? Uh, I started to, to uh, adjunct here. I adjuncted both here and at Finger Lakes Community College, and I just really like the, the college here. I like that it's, uh, you know, it's small, it's like kind of a tight-knit community. You know, after a semester or two, you know everybody, you know all the students. It just uh, has a really nice nice atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. And uh, what approaches do you take to your teaching style? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a storyteller. Yeah. yeah so so I, uh, I try to encourage students, you know, read the textbook on your own and let's not come to class and just talk about what the textbook says, come to class knowing what you read, and then let's talk about this in other ways. Why is this meaningful? And, and you know, let's do this through narrative discussion. Mm-hmm. I remember last semester we would always, um, we would always kind of just let the conversation go on its own. 
Yeah, and I like that. I like the idea that the students are directing where we're heading today, you know, so that, mm -hmm. you know, there's some things that we have to talk about, but the way we talk about it can be directed by, you know, who's in the class. And the other nice part to that is that then each one of your classes ends up being slightly different because this class wants to talk about this and that class wants to talk about that. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of nice. And then students feel more engaged because they're talking about stuff they want to talk about instead of talking about what I want to talk about. Yeah, because <laughs> I remember it, that's probably the most engaged I've seen an online class before. Is everyone wanted to talk and get their opinion out, which I enjoyed. Yeah, and it's, it's been, it's been kind of tough in the online atmosphere because of that, you know. But... Uh, you know, that's 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 my uh, that's my technique for trying to get everybody to want to be involved. Is you know, somebody come up with an example of this, and then we just go off that. Yeah, and and you know, actually, just going off the topic of online classes, how do you enjoy teaching this year? Uh, it's it's been a challenge, but you know, uh, it's been a good challenge. I think mm -hmm. I've learned a lot, and uh, you know, there's some things that I've been doing. Uh, teaching online that I probably will carry over into the classroom setting. Okay. And then because I've had to sort of shift gears and figure out how do I teach here, it's, it's kind of, you know, made me rethink a lot of things that I do, which is good. It's kind of good to invent yourself, every, reinvent yourself every once in a while. Yeah, I, I agree. And so now you've figured out certain things that you do differently? Yeah. 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 And now... What was like the biggest adjustment you had moving to online? Uh, getting used to not seeing everybody. Yeah. You know, not everybody's on screen, not everybody's on camera, and kind of coming to uh, the idea that I'm going to be okay with that. Because, you know, I, 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 I am an active teacher. Yeah. Right? yeah. In, and in a classroom setting, I move around a lot, I walk around a lot. Uh, so, you know, sitting in one place like I'm doing now is, is a little hard for me. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I not knowing, uh, you know, how students are engaging me because I can't see them is hard to get used to. Yeah, because I know there's a lot of students who still don't say anything, just camera off. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, it's okay if your camera's off as long as you're with me. <laughs> of course. Of course. Now... Now that you've experienced this, would you like to go back to the regular way, the way it is in, in person? Uh, yeah, and you know, I think in the fall we're, we're supposed to be going back to classroom, or at least that's the plan. But I did say, you know, hey, let's keep one of my classes in this format because, you know, some students have excelled in this manner. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't think it's been great for most students. Um, but some students have preferred, you know, I wake up three minutes before class starts, log in, and I'm here. Yeah, that's so, easy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, for the way I like to teach and for, you know, obviously for a public speaking class and an interpersonal communication class, it's kind of better to be in the room together. Yeah, I, um, I agree. You can't really do public speaking online. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's been, that's, been, that's been tough, and that, that's a, been another adjustment, you know. Yeah, I'm sure of it. And uh, just to finish off, do you have any advice to any students out there studying remotely? Uh, 
yeah, hang in there. <laughs> you know, I you know I feel bad for students. This hasn't been easy, and you know, you go off to college and you're supposed to have this whole other sort of experience, and uh, you know, you're not getting it. But hang in there. And, yeah. You know, things will get better. Um, you know, this might be your thing, online learning. Uh, but I, I, I sense from most students, talking to most students, they're like, oh, I can't wait to come back to the classroom, and I never thought I'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, hang in there, and we're all, we're all learning together and getting through this together. So, yeah, if this isn't your bag, you know, tough it out. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little Things longer, will... just a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things will get better, right? For sure, I agree. Yeah. Well, thanks thanks for your time and answering all those questions for me. Oh, no problem, yeah. no problem. It was good to see you again. Yes, you too. Once again, that's Dan yeah. Snyder. Thanks, everyone. I hope everyone enjoyed that interview. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a weather update. It's 34 and sunny here in Batavia. It's supposed to be like that for a good portion of the day, but we'll go down to a low of 21. Our next interview is by Gabe Millen with Wyoming County Campus Director Joanna Santos. But first, we're going to play a couple of songs, starting with Phil Collins in the air tonight. So you could wipe my 
Disclaimer, 90.7 FM WGCC plays Batavia's best music commercial-free all day, every day. Listeners may experience Queen, ACDC, Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen, Elton John, Phil Collins, Journey, Chicago, Pink Floyd, Autograph, Rod Stewart, Rush, The Who, Van Halen, Billy Joel, and more. For this reason, listener discretion is advised.
Hello, I'm Gabriel Mullen. I'm here with Joanna Santos, the director of the Wyoming County Campus Centers. And we're just going to be talking today about her career at GCC, uh, what's important and what she expected and what she didn't about being here, what's been difficult. So we're just going to jump right into it. So I guess just to start this off easy, how long have you been working here at GCC? So I have been at GCC, uh, this will be my third year starting this past January. Mm -hmm. um, I started in uh, 2018. Oh, okay. And did you start with the job you have now or was it with something else first? Yes, I did. Um, my job description has changed a little bit over um, my time here, but I've always been the director of operations for Warsaw and Arcade. So what do you find most important about working here? So for me, um, campus centers are very different, um, a, a very different environment. And so for me, it's really about understanding that environment and making sure that um, I can provide um, the best re uh, resources for the students that take classes at the campus center as possible and give them as much of the GCC experience as we can in a smaller setting. So yeah. that's what's like really important, I think, to always keep in mind, no matter um, what we're doing. Yeah. What have you worked towards so far that, that you think is very important to pushing towards that, to, you know, being aware of that atmosphere? Yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been a little different the last couple of months with the, uh, with COVID. Um, but prior to, prior to COVID, we were really pushing to bring a lot of, um, like standardize a lot of our resources. So bring tutoring yeah. and proctoring, um, kind of up to speed. Um, with what goes on at the main campus and same thing about activities. Um, we wanted to really be able to able to offer engaging um, activities to the students that were at the campus centers um, just because we don't have as big of a population um, as there is in Batavia. So um, that that's always a challenge, but it's something that we were really working towards. I think now with COVID, um, we're really just pushing to make sure that um, even though things are virtual, we're really we're really focusing on our, our advisement pieces now. Um, yeah. And making sure virtual advisement and registration is going as smooth as it can for students. Um, and so working mm -hmm. with the main campus and the success center to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I before and now, but especially before, what did student involvement look like for matching what students would expect out of it? Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously all the events and things like that are, are smaller scale, um, but even like each campus center has its own identity. And so certain campus centers like certain things. Um, so like we in Arcade, for example, one activity we had was we brought um, like a live animals um, and had like an educational uh, speaker talk to us about the different animals, let students um, touch the animals, pet them, learn about them. It was pretty cool. There was like this giant um, tortoise that her name was Emily. She was very cute. Um, and that was something that the students in arcade really liked. And then we asked the students in Warsaw, Hey, would you be interested in that? And they were all like, Nope. Um, <laughs> so in Warsaw, we had like a farm to table dinner and like, um, we brought in a, a cook and she taught, you know, the students about local produce and all of that. And then she made, um, uh, kind of root to tip, um, meal. And that was something that students in Warsaw were really interested in. The students in Arcade were like, nah, we don't really want to do that. Um, so it's really about knowing your audience and and catering to that. Yeah. Yeah. And with Warsaw, um, I can kind of speak for that a little bit because I don't know why, but and, and just like at the high school, whenever any anything like agricultural related would show up, like none of us were interested <laughs> ever. 
I, yeah, I don't you just got to know your audience. Like, like that's never going to change here. I don't think <laughs> even though I'm not there anymore. I don't know if the future grades are going to like that any more than we did. So and this is something you talked about a little bit. But what do you find most challenging so far about doing your job well in the middle of a pandemic? Um, it, It's definitely keeping people engaged and getting people yeah. to um connect with you. So, you know, we send out tons of emails and notifications and all that. Um, but everybody else is too. And so it really overwhelms a lot of students and even like staff and faculty too. Um, just like constant influx of emails and Zoom calls. And so keeping people engaged um, and keeping people interested in what you're doing is, is a little, a little difficult, um, from like the advisement, um, side of the house. Um, it's new for everyone. So we've gone completely from paper to everything digital in a very short amount of time. And so it was a learning curve for staff. It was a learning curve for students. Um, and so that really, I think has been probably our biggest challenge. Yeah. Because I have noticed that like, registration for SUNY schools kind of dipped around the same time that everything got full force with the pandemic. So I'm interested how people adjust to that and get people back into it once things lighten up. Yeah. Enrollment is down across the state. That's not like a secret. Um, And so, you know, at GCC, we're really working hard to um, make sure that we can service students as best as we can. And so getting students enrolled and, um, you know, there's always students that wait till the last minute and, and it's a little mm-hmm. bit more difficult in a pandemic because I can't run down the hall and give somebody a, a signed paper. Like you have to go through, you know, different processes. So, yeah. And so with the students that are interested in maintaining their education, what I guess, what do you hear the most from, you know, your colleagues that have been talked to about students or just, you know, what do you hear from students directly that that they think is either most challenging or most important to in at GCC in the middle of all of this? So you definitely have your different students that um, want different things. So some of them actually really like um, the remote aspect. And we've had some students call and register and say, hey, you know, I'm working from home now so I could take a class or, you know, students with children that maybe wouldn't be able to take, you know, three hours to go sit through a class because they have nobody to watch their child. Um, now they can participate in things like that. So we have had a good influx of, and you know, those are just some examples, but um, we have had an influx of students that maybe wouldn't be coming to college right now um, taking classes. Um, then we do have the students that, you know, grew up on technology, grew up on Zoom, grew up on, um, you know, their phones, and they're really comfortable with stuff like this. And yeah. so it's not anything new for them. Um, But then we also have the students that want that traditional like in-person lecture and, you know, that's, you know, well within their rights. And so we are trying to find this balance. And so I think we're we're working as a college, we're working towards trying to fit everyone's needs. Um, And, you know, as restrictions are lifted from the state, hopefully we will have more offerings for in-person classes. There are a few in-person classes. A lot of the science classes are in person um, because they do have like a lab component. Um, But I do think that the technology is, this is just my personal opinion, but I do think the technology is around for, is going to be around and uh, you know, we will have more modalities available for students. Yeah. Because like you said, and I did notice this in my fall semester and this one too, just not as much like 
there's a lot of older people that are kind of flocking to GCC because, you know, maybe they had education when they were younger and they didn't really get to finish it or they just didn't get to pursue what they really wanted to do. People get the chance to just kind of like, you know, learn more about it again and, you know, find their younger self, I guess. Yeah. And people have more time to, to, um, a, a lot of people have more time to dedicate to taking classes because um, yeah, you can't go cool. anywhere. So what else are you going to do? Maybe take a class. Yeah, because coincidentally, it's it's kind of harder to find a job. So, you know, me just being out of high school, that's something I wanted to do. But, you know, it's since it's harder, I'm just like, OK, well, more time for college. Mm-hmm. And so the I commuting is a thing for people, too. Um, you don't have to drive. Um, I mean, I don't really commute to GCC. I live pretty close, but um, I do take classes at a school in Rochester myself, and I am pretty happy with not having to drive an hour to Rochester. Uh, <laughs> so it cuts, you know, four hours a week of driving out, out of my day, which I appreciate. Yeah. And what are you studying at Rochester? Um, so I'm going to the University of Rochester for a doctorate in higher education administration. Um, oh. So, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> That kind of, yeah, because I was going to ask, how has working here kind of shaped or, you know, maybe just reinforced your career aspirations? And that kind of answers it in a way. But <laughs> Yeah, for, for me, the decision to go back to school. So I started my doctorate before I started at GCC, um, but I completely shifted focuses in what I was studying when I started working at GCC um, because yeah. I had been exposed to a different type of institution. So before GCC, I worked at at SUNY Geneseo. Um, But when I came to GCC, I learned a lot about community colleges and how they function and what they need and what students need. And so I really shifted my focus um, for my doctorate. And I think that um, it really gave me a wider lens on what education is um, and how I can better serve it. you know, you asked earlier what, you know, what do you do with the campus centers? And I said, you know, we really have to keep in mind that, you know, the population that we're serving. And I think that's really true when you step into administration. And that's, that is the direction I do want to go into. I would like to go into upper administration at a college, but I think it's really important to remember who you're serving and that's the students um, and making sure that the students are getting the best education that they can out of your institution. Yeah. So GCC has really helped me put that into focus. So while you're maintaining a college and you're attending a different one, how do you at Rochester or just anywhere really, how do you see the difference between how things are done here and how things have been there? Like, do you kind of think about how to improve things just while you're a student? I don't yeah. want to shade anybody here. No, no, no. I, it's it's great because in my classes we have um, people from different institutions at different levels. We have uh, deans in my classes. They're superintendents from high schools. We have um, you know, vice presidents, we have directors. So it's a lot of people from a lot of different institutions. And it's a really great opportunity to talk and see what people are doing. Um, because that that's what happens in higher ed. It's you, you have conversations, see what other schools are doing, work together, partner with other schools, um, and, and really come together to serve the students. And so, you know, it's conversations we have all the time of like, hey, you know, I'm having this difficulty right now. Like, does anybody have any experience with this? Can you help? And like, everybody's always willing to jump in and assist. And then we bring that back to our institutions. It's kind of common practice. Um, but it, it's really been helpful for me to learn. Um, and, you know, 
sometimes some things will fit well at GCC. It's like, hey, well, this school's doing this. Maybe we should try that. Or sometimes it's, you know, there are things that other schools can offer that maybe aren't the best fit for us. GCC and University of Rochester are completely, you know, different, like size, um, you know, University of Rochester is like a re- research one school. And so that's what they're really, their focus is. Yeah. And that's not really GCC's focus. And so some of the things that they do there are going to be inapplicable for us at GCC. And then some of the things mm-hmm. we do at GCC are really not going to be beneficial to students um, at U of R. Um, so it's really talking about, or it's really thinking about what is going to benefit our students the most um, and then taking those collaborative ideas and bringing them back. Yeah. So with things that, you know, that multiple colleges do share, I don't know what those would be, but is there ever like a more formal advisement between colleges on, you know, on helping each other set up this new thing or talking about the best way to do this? So there are some committees in the area. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily do myself do it formally, but there's like the Western New York um, Advising um, Council and it's and it includes a lot of, of advisors from all of the colleges in Western New York. And so some some of the uh, people at GCC do participate in that. Um, mm-hmm. There are conferences and a lot of the ideas get shared more formally at conferences. So like NASPA is a big higher education um, uh, membership. And so, uh, I mean, this year there, was re- there wasn't really um, a lot of conferences to go to, but yeah. people have been doing webinars. And, and so that's how more ideas have been shared during COVID. But previously, like conferences and um, programs like that. Yeah, this is my last question. But what would you say, like, what the most important thing you've learned from, you know, from other people you've talked to at these conferences or just in general? Um, like from I, their experience at their college? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is um, about self-reflection. And so if you're going to try something new, um, you have to evaluate your, yourself and the program um, and, and keep that in mind throughout the whole process. Because uh, what happens is a lot of people have this great idea and they run with it, right? They put this program on and because it's like their brainchild and like what they wanted to do, they don't necessarily see all the flaws in it sometimes. Yeah. And so it's really sometimes taking a step back, asking for feedback, asking the people that are participating in the program um, to let you know what they think and then adjusting it. It doesn't mean that your idea failed um, or that you didn't do it right, but there's always room for improvement. And so really thinking about self, self-reflection. self and, and that's something that I think, you know, can be applied to lots of facets of life, you know, your yeah. schoolwork, your personal life. Um, but I think that's something I've really learned in school myself is to evaluate as you go. Yeah, because especially right now, we're also just naturally isolated. People that just already that, you know, already live in a bubble of sorts, just kind of being away from people, not really seeing them face to face, it can kind of be easier to tune out their ideas. So you really have to focus and like, okay, what, you know, what does everybody think that this is actually affecting? You know, what's the opinion of the people that aren't just like sitting up here? It's important to remember that and think about it. And it can be hard to, especially right now. Yeah, the the world that we're living in right now is definitely difficult. And I think sometimes we can lose sight of normal human interaction. Uh, so, you know, reality checking ourselves and kind of bringing ourselves back down and in touch with people 
Um, I think it's definitely important. Yeah, because if you're on a Zoom call and you hear something you don't want to hear, just take out your earphone. There you go. <laughs> Now yeah, I can't do that anymore. in a regular conversation. <laughs> <laughs> imagine just yeah. people start walking away from me if they don't like something. <laughs> if only, but <laughs> that's all the questions I have. But thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure, honestly. For those just tuning in, that was an interview with Wyoming County Campus Center's director, Joanna Santos. And coming up next, we have... Cameron Cole is interviewing Professor Christine Belongi, but in the meantime, we're just going to bring you some more music. So here is Are You Mine by Arctic Monkeys. I'm a puppet on a string, Tracy Island, time traveling, diamond, could a sheep heart aches, come to find you, four and some velvet morning, here's too late, she's a silver lining, low ranger riding through an open space.
your TV. Because in case you did not know, we're being brought to you by. Brought to you by. WGCC brings you Batavia's best music, all day, every day, right here on 90.7, The Music FM. Good afternoon, my name is Cameron Coles, and you're listening to Around the Campus on 90.7, WGCC. The following interview is compiled from excerpts of a conversation held on February 22nd, 2021, which lasted two and a half hours, the topic of which being... American Public Education and its Applicability to the Human Experience with GCC Professor of Teacher Education, Christine Belangi. Professor, thank you so much for being here today. Would you uh, like to tell us a little bit about your background? So I want to thank you for having me here today. thought I'd tell you a little bit about my role at the college. I came to GCC um, to teach in 1998 as a psychology professor. And then in 2002, I became the coordinator of the teacher education and teaching assistant program. During the time that I'd been at the college, I achieved the rank of full professor. And also I'd been awarded two SUNY Chancellor Awards during that time. One for teaching, of which I am most proud, and the other for faculty service. I'm also the coordinator of the Teacher Education Club, or the uh, Faculty Advisor, rather, and I founded that club back in 2002 with a group of students. I started my education in Wisconsin, so I sort of took the scenic route. I refer to my education a little bit like that as a scenic route. I started out at the University of Wisconsin, and I was there for about a year and a half, and my goal was to become a public school teacher. And then as time went on, my husband took a job at H.H. Brown, which is the largest shoe manufacturer in the country. Um, and I followed him to Pennsylvania, and I worked as a cost accountant. I investigated going back to school at that time, going to Penn State. But traveling to State College was a little bit prohibitive. And, you know, there were moments during that time when I wondered whether I might never, you know, become a teacher. And it, it troubled me a lot because it was something that I had always wanted to do from the time I was young. Over time, as fate would have it, my husband took a job running manufacturing for Kaufman Footwear in Batavia. And I can still, to this day, remember the day that the company gave us a tour of Batavia and they pointed out Genesee Community College up on that hill. It was a sunny blue day. It was just gorgeous out. And it, it just looked like this beacon on the hill. And so for me at that moment, the decision was easy. This was my chance uh, to finish my education. And I ended up graduating from GCC um, with uh, high honors of 4.0. And I transferred to Brockport, where I received a BS in psychology, as well as a certificate of qualification for elementary education, so to teach. What, in, uh, in your opinion, makes a good teacher? Teachers inherently must believe that they have something worthy to offer. I'd couple that, I think, with a powerful drive 
to make a difference. And I think that's the beauty of being a teacher. At the end of the day, um, you make a difference. You want it to be a positive difference. So it really is, you know, a, a profession that carries with it a tremendous amount of responsibility. What are some things that come to mind when considering the applicability of America's public education curriculum on the human experience and, uh, and personage? What comes to mind when considering the curriculum on the human experience and personage? I thought about this, you know, um, education occurs within a socio-historical context. It's dynamic. It's not a vacuum. And the greater society, the beliefs held by the society, the value that the society places on specific knowledge exert great influence on education. And so the question really isn't so much one of, of what as it is one of, I think, who. Who decides what we're going to teach? What's going to be the emphasis? And within that, the question then is, what does it mean to be an, an educated person? What does it mean when we say you've gotten an education? And for what purpose? It's not a simple question. And, and honorable people disagree a lot. <laughs> I mean, a lot as to, the, as to the answer. What does it mean to get an education? What do you value? And, you know, people have looked at that for ages. You know, people that are more, you know, essentialist, reading, writing, arithmetic kinds of people. What's your opinion on um, if, if whether or not an individual's personage being an under-discussed topic in, in public education, I kind of feel like we spend an awful lot of time thinking about dates of, you know, like historical things. I don't, I don't really think enough emphasis is put on personal identity, if any at all, in order to prepare people for life as a, as a human adult. So when, when you talk about personage, I'm thinking you're talking about, like, the needs of the individual? Yes, and, you know, like, needs for uh, individual personal development and things like that. So um, I, I believe in, in that. So I'm, I think, you know, philosophically, I'm strongly humanistic, strongly lean existential and critical theory, which is sort of, you know, change society kind of thing, but also pragmatic. But um, choice, I think a lot of the, this in terms of the needs of the individual have to do with choice, like giving people choice. And even in public education, choice costs money. And therein lies the rub. What are people willing to pay for? Does education prepare students for a meaningful life? Um, you know, I wish there were an easy answer to this. I guess, what does it mean when you say meaningful life? Is it about, you know, getting a job? Is it about having a, a good relationship or, you know, acquiring skills or being able to make a contribution? Is it understanding your civic responsibility or... Is it about art or health, self-esteem, all of those kinds of self-preservation? So a lot of it has to do with how that's defined. Teachers are increasingly responsible for the social, emotional well-being of their students, even before they're concerned about whether they can read or write. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Think about that. If people's children, if their needs aren't met, 
if they have to worry about, are they safe? Do they have enough to eat? Does somebody care about me, right? Those things all take precedence over the learning. You know, I think that's why the relationship matters so much within the educational process. But I do think it's possible to, you know, to prepare students for a meaningful life. But I think it's complicated. And I think society takes very little responsibility for what's happening and the consequences on our children. It's, it's, it's not, there's no magic wand. So, you know, it's, it's complicated. It's very complicated. And I guess my message to my own students, um, and I practice what I preach, you know, it's, you need to be involved. People need to be involved. They need, they need to not just let somebody else take care of it. And it isn't always, you know, it's a funny thing. It's not always, you know, like, okay, I'm going to run for the school board. It's the simple things. It's being a good neighbor. It's validating children. It's, you know, I, I vote as an advocate. When I vote, I look, are these policies good for children? And if they're not, then, then, then I don't vote that way. Um, because that's a priority to me. And, um, you know, but everybody can contribute in their own, in their own way. So do you think that um, the, the uh, availability of maybe earlier on in a school experience, if you could pick like a, a major of sorts or some kind of uh, vocational thing coupled with maybe a more concise curriculum, do you think that would effectively shorten a student's time behind a desk? And do you think that's a good thing? Time spent behind a desk, um, I don't think should be the question. It isn't a, a question of, um, of time, but I do think personally, you know, from my own perspective, and, and I practice what I preach in terms of my own classes, that we need to get students out from behind the desk and teachers as well, that, you know, that we need to have them doing whatever it is. I mean, I did not really enjoy statistics until I was analyzing my own data. And then this was so interesting and the most important thing I ever learned in my life. Um, but in isolation, it meant nothing to me, nothing at all. You know, could I do it? Could I get the grade? Absolutely. But in terms of its value, couldn't see it. Do you think that the, that the, uh, the K through 12 curriculum is inflated in any sense? I don't think it's deliberately inflated. I th and, and I think, you know, one of the things, the pushback on the common core um, has, you know, like I'll, I'll look to the math just as an example. Um, a lot of the changes that were made were, were, were deep thinking kinds of changes, you know, so that, you know, so rather than just tell me the answer, tell me why that's the right answer. You know, can you explain that to me? But you wouldn't, you wouldn't consider the, the curriculum inflated in any, in any overdue sense then? You had made a comment earlier about uh, names, dates, and places kind of thing. And I, I think most true history 
historian type teachers, you know, would would push back and say that's not what history is about and stuff like that. John Dewey was an, an somebody that I just love. Um, always talked about relevance, and that you know that and and I and I think about that in the design of even my own classes to make sure that what students are doing is relevant. And I think most teachers try to do that because it has great motivational value, even if it's not, you know, like big picture relevant, but if you know what's relevant to a student, you can use that to get them to want to, you know, learn math or to want to read a story. I push back on things that are not meaningful to me. So why wouldn't we expect students to push back as well, right? You know, the common core before the common core that we know now, before this common core, there was a common core in the United States. Thomas Jefferson advocated for a common core, that all people would have enough knowledge to be a good citizen and vote but that we would, it would be like this unifying agent and also help preserve the democracy. Um, it's a little bit more challenging now. You know, what, what should we all know? And I think as the knowledge base has grown, you know, like how much information it is out there and how easy it is to access information, we don't need to teach maybe students facts but we need to teach them how-tos, how to access information, how to evaluate information, um, those kinds of things. I think even the humanity piece involves choices. You want students to, to play a role in their education. It's theirs. In, in terms of, in terms of uh, you know, the relative prohibitive uh, nature of higher education, what are, what are some things... Uh, the GCC does to combat this issue? I want people to know, I want students to know that GCC is an institution that is capable of serving the needs of a wide range of students um, and, their, and student ability. People can take a class at GCC for enrichment, um, several classes to you know, acquire a particular skill set, they can get a certificate. They can get a degree that, you know, an AAS, they oftentimes refer to those as terminal degrees, which are school-to-work kinds of degrees. Um, they can transfer, and it can even provide a strong foundation um, uh, that can, for people that have set their sights on getting a PhD. Um, and that's really the beauty of GCC, and I'm proud of what we have to offer to anybody. Um, that can benefit from attending. Thank you for being here today and uh, participating in this uh, with, with and for me. I'm glad I could help. You take care, okay? And we'll talk soon.
Thank you.